Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Advisory Board Chair L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I welcome Rob McKeithen, who is Vice President of Insurance and Risk Management at Line. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Al, great to be here. Now, Lime, this to some people is a very familiar brand in in the smart mobility space. To others, they might not know about it. So can you tell me a bit about Lime and, you know, where you are and um, what you you actually do? Uh, Sure, certainly. So Lime is really the leader by most measures of the uh, the micromobility space, uh, that space principally being uh, lightweight electric vehicles like uh, electric scooters and electric bicycles. Uh, we operate both those uh, vehicle types in uh, over 100 markets in 30 countries on five continents. Uh, so we're, we're very geographically diverse and we believe the largest player in the world in this space. That's amazing. And do you find that certain types of vehicle are more popular in certain territories than others? And, and how, how does that play out? Is it, is it sometimes surprising that, that one country might be more keen on a scooter and others on a bike? Uh, yes, uh, that's not uncommon uh, for there to be a preference. And uh, our approach is really to, to go in as a partner of each of the markets, uh, the municipalities in which we operate. And so if there, uh, if there are preferences like that, we, we always work with our, our partner, the, the city, to uh, come up with a mutually acceptable approach. Mm-hmm. And so do people access the scooters and bikes using, using an app, using technology, presumably? It's not just, yeah, how does that actually work? I've never done this. We did have a, a program in Edinburgh. It wasn't Lyme. Um, I think it worked with varying degrees of, of success here. I think sometimes some cities don't quite get on board with it. But how does that process of using the app actually work? Uh, yes, it's actually very simple. So you uh, open your smartphone and go to find the Lime app in the App Store. You install that on your phone uh, and uh, there are a few questions. Um, typically, we uh, for brand new customers who have never used our vehicles before, uh, we have a tutorial that uh, gives you the information you need to use the vehicle safely, uh, as well as information about any rules, the road, uh, or guidelines that uh, might exist in the particular location where you're you're located. And presumably, this uh, you know helps people to you know get around when they maybe don't have a car so it uh, reduces the amount of cars maybe in the sort of central city area and you know I presume it's it's fairly democratizing in the sense that I imagine that if you're just using these uh, modes of transport and on an ad hoc basis it wouldn't be too expensive are these some of the objectives that Lyme has when when doing this absolutely so our our 
one of our principal uh, goals is to uh, improve mobility in each of the markets where we operate. Um, and typically, we do that along a couple of measures. Uh, we're certainly reducing emissions since our vehicles are, are lightweight and consume less energy when you when you use them to get from point A to point B. Uh, they obviously the vehicles themselves uh, do not emit uh, any carbon exhaust, um, and the vehicles are uh, easily accessible. So so they're typically available wherever you happen to be in a given market and ready for your use uh, at a moment's notice. Now, what leads me on to, I suppose, what your role is, is the fact that these vehicles, they look quite high tech. I've had had a look on, on the website and I can see that, you know, they look very smart, hence the name is Smart Mobility, but they're, they're not peer-to-peer. So they are owned by the company. Now, there is presumably... Mm, a huge risk that these could be damaged or stolen by the user, but lots of other risks as well, which leads me neatly on to to hear about actually what your role is at Lime and, and I think really why Lime needs someone like you. So certainly, so the risk management team at Lime is, is focused on a, a couple of things. Uh, we work hand in hand with uh, Lime's uh, dedicated trust and safety team to understand what the risks associated with using one of our products is. And uh, a principal focus, of course, uh, in everything we do is ensuring that uh, the user of our products uh, has as uh, safe and and, uh, comfortable an experience as possible. Um, But that requires obviously a lot of work. Uh, The way way our vehicles operate in a a given location varies a bit from location to location. so, for example, cities that have uh, lots of uh, bicycle lanes are, are represent a, a different risk profile than, than cities that don't. Uh, and so our, our job is to understand what those risks are and then to pro- uh, provide appropriate instruction to our users and protections for our users where it's appropriate uh, uh, with respect to those risks. So when you go into a new area or a new city this I mean this is fascinating it must be a really interesting job because presumably you have to assess what infrastructure there is in that city and how it's set up and try and make some assumptions or or I don't know predictions around what the potential issues might be for a user is is that right or have I just completely oversimplified it no no absolutely I think that's the right way to look at it we certainly as I mentioned before before we enter any new market uh, we partner with the local authorities and uh, our our goal is to have a very good understanding what their goals are uh, and how we can we can help them meet them so um, if one of their goals is congestion, for example, um, we're, we're a great solution for uh, reducing the number of car trips that happen in a given day. Um, but uh, each, each city has goals. Uh, typically, um, we work with them to, to identify and understand those goals and to do our best to, uh, to help them achieve them. And without sounding like I want to focus on the negative, it's at times when Maybe a city doesn't adopt the smart mobility as as quickly or as um, enthusiastically as as you've maybe predicted. And if things don't go right in that sense, how do you work with the partner on the ground to to change things? 
Well, of course, it's an iterative process. Uh, there are things you learn uh, after you enter a market that uh, that you perhaps didn't anticipate. Uh, and again, our, our goal is to to be a good partner for the municipalities where we where we operate our, our platform. And so, um, if issues arise, we we work uh, to understand what the the stakeholders' priorities are, and again, to be part of the solution in in meeting those and addressing those. Have there been surprises along the way where you have gone to a certain current country or or territory and expected there to be you know an adoption of of one type of vehicle and it's turned out or or maybe thought that people would really embrace you know the scooters but it it turned out differently it must teach you something about maybe the the culture of a, a specific country or city because presumably it's particularly in the US where it's such a uh, you know a big country with so many different cities with their own internal cultures you can't predict each time that one thing will be popular just because it was you know um in an in another one yeah that's a great question uh in, you know in the early days of our business that was certainly the case uh we were um uh learning at a uh, a really steep rate uh what what the issues were that um, that were important to given locations, what drove those issues, what the characteristics uh, to look out for, and in, in, you know, what makes, for example, one uh, market more successful than another market. Um, I'd say, though, you know, we have so much experience at this point operating and having opened hundreds of markets and, and uh, provided uh, hundreds of millions of rides to our, our users. Um, that, that we're, we're very rarely surprised these days. Uh, we're mm-hmm. um, we're usually, you know, when we initiate a dialogue with a potential new market a municipality, we we go into that conversation as really the subject matter expert. Uh, you know, uh, we we can come we come in with recommendations based on on what we hear from that potential new market. Their priorities are, and and you know, we leverage the experience that we've had in in opening mm-hmm. so many other markets to to. Uh, make recommendations on how best to meet those needs. In terms of insurance, we chatted before and, and we both decided this was a, a great analogy and I find it fascinating. You you live in, in Detroit and um, for listeners that don't know much about Detroit, this was the the home of the the motor vehicle in in the US and and we were talking about how interesting it was that this new at the time this new innovative mode of transport came along and and actually and I'd read about this bizarrely it was a, a bit random but found out that Detroit was one of the first places to actually introduce road markings and road signals and and lights and actually as you told me insurance as well tell me a bit about that and how it it sort of compares to really the the micro mobility world and and in how insurance you know can sometimes arrive a, a bit later than the innovation itself yeah you know it's a great uh, great analogy the um the automobile industry in its early days of course uh no no the was a, a, a type of risk that uh, had never existed before. So, so initially, people didn't know how to do how to deal with that. Um, the uh, you know in the very early days, safety innovations also were not a, a big focus of the automobile companies. Uh, there were no such things as seatbelts, uh, as as a notable example. And uh, and that evolved over time. Uh, the 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 um, the need. 
for appropriate uh, ways to address risk, uh, sometimes by insurance, sometimes not. Uh, it uh, drove uh, a lot of innovation uh, in the insurance industry, uh, drove a whole new product category. And on the safety front, uh, the need for things that, uh, that made vehicles uh, safer, things uh, like safety belts, things like airbags, things like anti-lock brakes, um, evolved uh, over time in, in response to observed risks. Um, I will say, you know, the, the micromobility industry, while, while there's so many things that are new about what we do, um, there are a lot of things that aren't. And the, the, the rate at which we are innovating on the safety front is incredibly high. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we're operating right now, we're rolling out most of our markets, our uh, Generation 4 vehicle, and the, the safety characteristics of that vehicle are so much better than, than our earlier generations. And, um, that's, uh, as I mentioned before, something that uh, Lime in particular is is really focused on. Mm-hmm. And tell me about you, Rob. How did you get into this? Because I, people, I don't think, you know, I'm going to say our age, I'll just put it out there, um, you know, don't necessarily you know, go to college or university to train in um, smart mobility, especially in what was probably the 1990s. Uh, how did you actually get into this innovative space? Well, I, I have to say I, I did not grow up dreaming I would be in the insurance industry. Uh, I, I suggest uh, there probably aren't uh, very many people who do, although it's it's a it's a wonderful, interesting uh, business. Uh, that the you know the things in the insurance industry that you get to address are are really uh, business problems, and the tool set that, mm-hmm. uh, that we have to solve those business problems is in incredibly flexible and, and uh, uh, there's an incredible amount of innovation. Um, at this point in my career, I've, I've focused on opportunities to innovate. I have uh, found that I, uh, I really like uh, doing things, building things that, that haven't been done before, uh, whether that's product innovation or response uh, uh, to new risks that haven't existed before, such as, uh, such as in the micromobility space. And um, so I, you know, I started out in a sort of traditional role at a traditional insurance company and have over time uh, moved more and more toward finding edges of innovation and, and problems, uh, that unsolved problems that, uh, that I can help solve. And how does the work that you do with Lime cross over into the broader marketplace sharing gig economy space because obviously you've been at marketplace risk events both in person and and virtual events and I, I think a lot a lot of the things that you know we've learned from you can be applied to to other different types of innovative marketplace or um you know sharing platform what what do you think about people sort of tapping into that knowledge and do you think it does apply to lots of other different models too you know, certainly uh, at a high level, one of the things that uh, that I've learned early on in my tenure at Lime was the importance of data. That seems like an obvious statement, uh, and certainly the insurance industry, uh, as long as it's existed, has has relied on uh, data to to understand and price risk. But um, what, uh, what you can do in a marketplace business model is collect data in real time about things that drive risk. And that's 
uh, that's a that's a pretty exciting thing actually from, from a risk management standpoint. So um, with the you know the advantage that Lime has in being the largest player in the space is it it has uh, conducted more transactions with more customers than any other uh, micromobility company, and thus has a bigger data set. Uh, we have a bigger data set about uh, usage behavior. We have a bigger data set about uh, what happens when things go wrong. And that allows us to uh, be uh, very responsive when, when it comes to understanding what risk is and, and how to uh, reduce risk, improve safety, and uh, and address risk from a uh, risk transfer standpoint. So just in, in a way, this the data that, that you have and that you're able to collect allows you to better what protect people that um, are, are using Lyme and, and in turn protect the business and help it to grow. It must have a, a big knock-on effect. Is that right? Absolutely. That's, that's I think, exactly the right way to look at it. The more we know about what happens when people interact with our product, uh, whether it's a, a good interaction or when something, uh, a few times when something goes wrong, uh, the better we can incorporate those learnings into future iterations of our product and into things like customer communications. Uh, and, uh, and that ultimately Im- improves the, uh, the risk profile of the business as a whole. So we talk about data quite broadly there. Can you give me an example of what that data might look like? I mean, I know it's very complex, but what what sort of things are we talking about? People obviously have to sign up on the app to to use it, but what other sort of data is useful and interesting to somebody like you working in the risk management end of the business? So think about it as um, we have this incredibly powerful ability to uh, to measure what happens during the use of our product. Uh, so of course uh, we we have uh, just as a simple example we have sensors on board the uh, the product, uh, including a, a GPS. So we know where the product is located. Everybody understands that that's uh, necessary for us to operate the business and. Um, the result, though, of, of having that, that sort of real-time information about where the product is and how it's being used is that uh, in, those, in those small number of instances when something goes wrong, we can take a look at the context in which that went wrong. You know, what, what, uh, how was the vehicle being used? Where was the vehicle being used? What was the behavior of the, the driver of that vehicle? Um, and that's incredibly powerful, being able to connect that usage data with outcome data, uh, and and you know fundamentally, it gives us uh, uh, enormous insights into the the type of risk and the type of uh, issues that we as a business need to address. Mm-hmm. And so, what types of thing tend to go wrong? There must be something that goes wrong the most and something that you know other things that go wrong very rarely I suppose I'm I'm asking sort of you know with my kind of maybe uh, uh, sharing economy startup founder hat on just thinking of, uh, about what you know what how would you even know where to go with with occurrences of of sort of um, accidents I suppose is the best way to put it mm-hmm. Um, it's just the things that you would expect uh, with with any vehicle. Um, 
sometimes there there are some sometimes unfortunately there are accidents that uh, result in an injury. In most cases, not. Um, you know, most cases mm. uh, somebody um, uh, maybe isn't paying attention and um, and goes over a bump um, and as a result uh, falls down and has a minor injury. Um, that's the, the vast majority of, of incidents we see fall into fall into that kind of a category. Mm-hmm. And the frequency of those injuries, uh, not only are they minor, but the frequency is is actually quite low. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's um, uh, it's it's somewhat mundane what we what we typically see. <laughs> um, you know, there have been some some instances of severe injury, but those are quite rare. Most of the time, we're taking a look at things like. You know how, uh, as an example, how can we improve the architecture of the vehicle to uh, to make it uh, uh, a, a little less likely that somebody might fall over? Um, you know, sort of sort of minor mm-hmm. mundane things like that are the the world yeah. in which we live in. But again, it enables us to continually integrate and improve the the safety profile of our product. And what about people damaging, you know, the the, the actual vehicle themselves, you know, not, um, you know, having an accident and hurting themselves, but basically doing something wrong and, um, you know, just sort of breaking it, really? Is that um, what what happens in, in, in that sort of situation? Are they covered? Do you know, do you sort of uh, what, what sort of clicks into place? I'm just trying to imagine me doing something. I don't know. I've pictured these um, scooters before and, uh, you know, I just worry that I would I would just do something wrong and, and mess it up. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with training. So uh, as I mentioned before, one of the, the uh, things that we require all new customers to do is uh, go through a tutorial so that they understand how to use the vehicle safely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we of course strongly encourage other other approaches to safety, like wearing a helmet. And uh, so those, those instances actually are are quite rare. Um, yeah. And uh, we're there to help you, of course, if something does go wrong. Also, so um, mm-hmm. the uh, the company has, as I mentioned, uh, trust and safety team. Uh, uh, our first line of um, interaction with the customer if there is something that's gone wrong is typically our customer support team um so we're certainly there uh in the good times and the bad when uh Mm -hmm. customers interact with our product and things like the tutorial was that brought in again i suppose detroit style because people you know did things wrong at the start or, or was that something that you always considered would be a good idea at the start? Because to me, that sounds reassuring. And now I think, oh, right, if there's some sort of tutorial, maybe I, I would give that a go because, you know, that makes you feel a bit more confident. So was it something that was brought in as a response to people really not knowing what to do? Well, you know, I'm actually proud to say it was something our team anticipated as a need before it, it started showing up in the in the numbers. Um, we've invested over time in improving uh, customer education tools and uh, and also regularly regularly promote them uh, on our platform. So um, that's that's one where I, I think our team did a really good job actually anticipating a need and, and developing mm. a solution for it. Now, as we reach the final couple of minutes of our podcast Rob I, would, I just wanted to focus on 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 the future a bit we are we do seem to be finally coming out of a, a tricky couple of years globally how has the pandemic affected the shared mobility 
space. I know that on a personal level, you weren't obviously able to travel around as much, but in terms of the business itself, has there been uptake, um, more uptake in this sort of new normal phase as we come out of the lockdowns of share mobility? How How is Lime looking as we move into 2022? Yeah, you know, it's been a fascinating ride. Uh, I actually joined Lime uh, in October of 2019, so shortly before the early days of the pandemic. Um, and it was, uh, as with many businesses, uh, we were challenged uh, by those early days. We, we didn't know uh, in the context of uh, things, responses to the, the, the pandemic, such as lockdowns, we did not know how it was going to affect our business. Uh, we made some tough decisions in early uh, 2020 uh, to shut down uh, business uh, in most markets where we operated. Um, and uh, we had an interesting, uh, interesting experience after that. So we, we began, um, after we instituted shutdowns, we began experimenting with things like providing our vehicles as a benefit uh, for uh, frontline responders, uh, people who uh, perhaps worked in hospitals, as an example, and needed to get to work even in the, in the context of uh, a city that may have lockdown, lockdowns. And um, what we found was people responded really well to the idea of having a uh, lightweight open air single passenger vehicle as an alternative to perhaps mm. this person had taken mass transportation in the past or, or driven in a carpool. Um, or, and uh, so it turned out that there was this, this sort of uh, new type of demand for our product that existed uh, during lockdowns and during the early days of the pandemic. And we progressed from there to to sort of test uh, test the waters more broadly uh, in terms of uh, what demand was going to be for our product during the pandemic, and found that there was uh, you know, obviously in some sectors uh, such as tourism there was very little demand, but in other sectors such as commuting uh, there was very high demand, and um, uh, and demand in other areas as well uh, uh, that existed even during lockdowns. And so we spent most of uh, 2020 and early 2021 reopening markets. And uh, by the end of uh, really the second half of 2021, found ourselves in a position where we were operating at greater scale than we had ever had, uh, even pre-pandemic, and opening new markets and, uh, and growing our business. And uh, that's what, what's amazing about that is that's even in the context of still much lighter demand uh, from, from areas such as tourism than, than we uh, had uh, before the pandemic. Uh, so we, we are very bullish about 2022. Um, our business is on a great trajectory and uh, we uh, expect continuing growth and demand. That's great to hear. And and just listening to these stories of, of shifts and behavioral changes throughout the pandemic that have led to innovative businesses like Lime to, to you know, to really grow stronger for it. It's, um, it's great to hear. And Rob, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. And we really hope to see you at some of our Marketplace Risk Live events in 2022, if, if that's possible. And um, yeah, thank, thanks for being part of the community. Well, thank you, Al. Uh, very nice spending some time with you this morning. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. 
and follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.